Hey guys, it's Adi Savia and you're listening to the All Blacks Podcast. Welcome to the All Blacks Podcast. I'm JP Tucker. This is Andy Burt. And tonight we have the perfect 10. Not by Derek. It's the one and only Daniel Carter. Welcome along, mate. Thanks, uh, thanks, Andy. Thanks, JP. How are you, boys? Good, mate. Very good. It's a beautiful um, night here in Wellington. Pretty crisp, 13 degrees, but a ripper of a night. So glad to speak to you, mate. Oh, that's um, that's bloody warm for uh, Wellington. Tropical night. Easy, Tiger. Easy, mate. Hey, um, mate, so normally how we roll, this is it's pretty casual if you can't work out already, but we have a couple of questions just to, but uh, basically some yes or no, quick fire, like a quick fly around. Yeah, we call this, mate, we did a sneak peek of the film, The Perfect Ten, obviously, so what we've got is ten questions. They may not be perfect questions, but they're quick fire and they all relate to your film, mate, so. Do we, uh, we, we, we mate, we got the, um, the, the, what do you call sneak, it? Sneak, 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 sneak preview there. Screener, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, how do we watch him? Oh, I felt special at home, I've done it on the couch, so that's good. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> all right, so, uh, drop goal, so, okay, drop goal 30 metres out or a 50 metre penalty? Uh, drop goal 30 metres out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, popcorn or chalk top ice cream? Popcorn. Uh, Eden Park or Westpac Stadium? Eden Park. Oh, oh, yeah, fast, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah, I saw Eden Park. I was like, oh. Um, <laughs> but then I, I remember Westpac, the Hurricanes used to. <clears throat> tormentous a little bit there with had Turner and JC and Rodney Soyolo. So I used to hate going there because they're so big and physical. <laughs> used to ruin my Sundays because my body was broken. So still in part. And mate, uh, sushi or baguette? Sushi. Um, I've got an interesting one here. Well, I didn't write this. Helicopter ride with Richie or modeling in your undies on the runway? <laughs> Oh, um, it's quite a, quite an easy one. That one helicopter ride with Richie. In the movie, you, you said so. I was segueing here. You said, yeah. "Oh, the first time you you had a ride with Richie was also his first time he'd had passengers." <laughs> was that legit? Oh, it was. Yeah, it wasn't in a helicopter. It was in a uh, fixed wing. So we went up. I was like, "Do you want to come fly?" I was like, "You had been training for years." Mm. So myself and Ben Hurst went up. And we had a beautiful, scenic um, flight around Christchurch, and he landed the plane. He looked at us, and he goes, oh, yeah, by the way, you're my first ever passengers. Like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> if you had told me that before we went up, I probably would not have flown with you. Um, so he deliberately yeah, waited until he landed before he told us. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna, um, I've got a new question here. If, um, if you had to choose between who was going to fly your helicopter between – uh, Ma Nonu and Jerry Collins. Who would you choose? <laughs> oh, let's leave field that one. Um, oh, Matt, I was pretty tight with JC. I used to sit next to him on the, on the bus. He was sharp. Um, yeah. Um, He's got uh, silly form. He's got burst here. I don't know if Ma got yeah. burst. <laughs> there you go. Is that the difference? Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't <laughs> would surprise me, actually, if he. he you know, got his pilot license or did something uh, extreme like that. JC was absolute legend. Um, mate, pilot, co-pilot, it's a dream result, those two, those two legends. 
Dream combo. Dream combo. I'll, I'll, I'll sit just... at the back and just enjoy myself. Yeah, yeah it'd be a hell, hell of a ride. This may be a tricky one here, mate. Um, Ranfilly Shield or Super Rugby title? Oh, Ranfilly Shield, mate. Nice. Can't be the Ranfilly Shield. The history behind that. Oh, I love it. How many times did you lift it? Well, in terms of actually winning the Shield as opposed to defending it? Um, that's a good question, actually. Um, I'm hopeless with, with stats and and things from the archives. I, I should be able to remember that. Yeah. I've never played for it a lot, but actually we got it off Bay of Plenty. Yeah. So that was once. I, I think it might have only been once, to be honest. Right. Yes. I've lost it, lost it more than I've won it. Pretty special. Hey, mate, um, Cardiff 2015 or Wellington 2005, which those performances for you? Uh, Wellington 2005. Wow. Yeah, 2015 was pretty special just to get revenge after everything that happened in 2007 with the, the French. Um, but, yeah, that 2005 uh, Westpac Stadium was, was pretty special. Mm. Um, I've got the last one, and I like this one. Uh, Prince Harry or Prince William? Oh, Prince Harry. He's a legend. Um, actually, I didn't like Prince Harry the first time I met him. It was in 2003. We'd lost the semi-final to the, yeah, to the Wallabies, and we are out having a few jars, and um, Prince Harry was at the same bar, and... Um, one of his friends asked, I'll come over, Prince Harry would love to meet you. He says, oh, that's pretty cool. Went over there. He was blind. And, um, <laughs> he tried to, he tried to make us kiss the rose on his uh, England rugby team. <laughs> <laughs> so we um, really? told, told him to piss off and um, got on with our, our night. But I've met him a few times since then. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a top man. Seems pretty tight with the AB boys, eh? Particularly after that 15 World Cup. Yeah, I know. I was, I was actually quite surprised he pulled me in for a, for a bit of man love. Um, you know, we were receiving our medals. I wasn't expecting that. Caught me by surprise. But um, yeah, no, he's, yeah, he's a good man. He loves his footy. He loves the old bro shake, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he gave me a bro shake. And then the boys, the boys dared me to. Uh, I was actually, I think it was 2011. The boys dared me to um, bro shake uh, Prince Charles. Oh, and, yes. and, uh, yeah. and they came in there, and you know, we've been celebrating the 2011 victory quite hard. Um, and so, yeah, I had a bit of Dutch courage. I went in there and just gave him the bro shake. And yeah, he, he played along with that credit to oh, Prince, <laughs> Prince Charles for playing along with that one. Hey, mate, we, uh, as we mentioned before, so we're fortunate enough to have actually already seen the perfect 10. And um, what well on the title, by the way, I'm, I'm sure you chose it. Oh, yeah, that was, um, yeah, when I decided to make a movie about myself. Um, <laughs> you know, 20 years ago, I already had the, the title <laughs> title plan. So that's basically why I had the career that I did because I, this was my vision to have about myself. I oh, yeah. perfect 10. So I told you I was doing this 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, I'm getting ripped out from my mates. And and you're right, I did not um, have anything to do with, with the title of the, the, the film, unfortunately, um, because I don't think I would have called it that. But I, I've learned to, learned to accept it. And, and to be honest, in a serious manner, that's what I was always striving to be on, a rug, on the rugby field. Life in general, I'm far from a perfect team, but 
on the rugby field, that's what I was always striving to be. You know, I've got a six-year-old and I told him I'm, I'm talking to Dan Carter tomorrow night and he knows who you are, but... Oh, really? I thought he'd probably ask me if, um, if he's friends with Bodhi or... Well, wait, Bodhi wait, or, wait or something like that. So I see what position he said. What position did he play? And I said ten. And he goes, "Oh, was he as good as Bowden Barrett?" <laughs> and I, said, I said, "Mate, he's actually probably better." And he goes, "Oh, Dad, he must be like he must be so good if he was better than Bowden Barrett." <laughs> oh my God! Don't worry, I've got children too. That think so, uh, Yeah. My wife said you're better looking than Bowden Barrett, so you got that. Oh really? Oh, okay. I'll, I'll claim that, <laughs> <laughs> mate. So look, the, the film's pretty cool, right? Like. Um, there's some really intense moments. I was saying to Andy that both my wife and I shed a, a couple of tears in one specific moment we'll get to a bit later. But um, look, it seemed like the cameras followed you around for quite a long time. Did, did it feel like you were – did it feel like that? Was it – No, not really. It's um, just good camera work, I guess. Uh, good good director, good, good producer. I did – there's a lot of archive footage in there, which makes uh, makes it a little bit easier for them. But um, no, we've been shooting for for over twelve months now. So when I was living in France, they got a, a bit of footage um, in Paris. When we, I was finishing up there, the strange thing was the first thing they shot was um, uh, a fashion show in Paris Fashion Week, and I was like, "What has this got to do with my my rugby career and, and everything like well, that?" Uh, but yeah, exactly. So when you do watch it, then they edit it really well. So obviously there's little glimpses into to that side of my life, but it brings you straight back to, to my childhood and upbringing. So that, um, yeah, relaxed a few nerves that I had about about the film. Um, we shot a little bit in Japan, my last season up there, but the majority of it was um, was shot in New Zealand. I really wanted to to get back to, to where, where it all started out in Southbridge and Different uh, different parts of Christchurch. So, no, it wasn't all that tedious. And I'm like, they were with me all day, every day for the last 12 months. You know, wake up, get out of bed, and here they are. The cameras uh, started shooting for the film. It was nothing like that. They came in for a couple of weeks and, and each uh, different country and got what they needed. Nice. And, mate, I hope Tourism New Zealand are giving you guys some kickbacks because those shots down south are just absolutely incredible, weren't they, when you were running along with that landscape there? Just absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah, mate. Seriously, it's every Sunday, you know, I get up and run over the Rakai Gorge. It's just part of my uh, training routine, you know, with the mountains in the backdrop. Um, another, another, part of the, another part of the film that my close mates are giving me a bit of stick about as well. Um, but it's something we wanted to do. We wanted to, to showcase how beautiful New Zealand was. And, you know, some of the parts when I was young, growing up and training um, and playing rugby in, in some of these backdrops was, was incredible. We used to take it for granted. And since traveling around the, the world and training at different locations, you soon realize how much of a beautiful country we have. So we wanted to, to showcase that in the film too. So, yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that. And obviously returning to Southbridge to your old high school, um, how was it going back there, mate? And I mean, I guess you go back there reasonably frequently, but how are you, I guess, how do the locals there receive you now? Is it, are you just the same old Dan or are you, are you treated differently there? Or how, how does, how do you um, go when you go back home? Yeah, it's, so there's a, a corner that you go around just before you drive into Southbridge. And every time I go around that corner, I get like these goosebumps, like I'm, I'm home and, 
mm. and all my parents' friends and all my friends that are still living out there, they still just treat me um, like they did before I started playing rugby. And, and that's what I love about these small little communities. They just um, you know treat you like anyone else, but at the same time, you can tell that they're extremely proud of of what their friend or or cousin or relative, because um, you know most of us are related out there. Um, somewhere or another in these little small towns of, of, uh, of New Zealand. But, um, yeah, you can tell that they're really proud of, of what I've achieved. And um, going back to the local rugby club, to my primary school, my, my secondary school, they're really proud moments. I have a lot of fond memories um, you know, from growing up out there. Mate, the, um, the, the film has a little bit of a theme. And um, so for me... I'm a similar age as you, um, and I don't remember all the setbacks that you had and all the hardship that you endured. I just remember the good times and the winning. Um, you've actually had a really tough, a tough run. Can you explain every time you hit an obstacle, i.e. the uh, 2011 World Cup, how did you come back for that? What was the process? Who helped you? And, and what were the tools that enabled you to get back up on your feet and, and go again? Yeah, I almost go back to my very first test match where um, all I wanted to do and a dream of mine was to play for the All Blacks. That's all I ever wanted to do. And then 2003, um, down in Hamilton, or if you're in Wellington, up in Hamilton, um, you know, that dream became a reality. And, uh, and then... I got a taste of what it was like to play for the All Blacks, represent my country and play international rugby. And I became a little bit obsessed and I was like, okay, I've just reached my dream, but this is nowhere near enough. I want to to try and be an, an All Black great. And to do that, you need to play for uh, a long period of time, 10 years plus. Uh, you need to win all sorts of trophies, be a part of very special teams. Um, so from that day, that was my motivation. So every time I had you know, a little niggle, an injury or a setback, it would just really refocus me. And I was like, okay, well, you know, this is what I set out to, to, to try and do. I, even though I've now finished, it's not my job to say, okay, cool, I, I reached that. It's, it's other people's opinions, whether they think that or not. But while I was playing, that's what I, was, I set out to do. So when you have a, an injury like I did in 2011, I was absolutely gutted um, because that was my time. In, in my mind, I, you know, I thought the team were going to 100% win that World Cup. I was going to be in that final, um, playing a pivotal role uh, to helping the All Blacks eventually win a World Cup, something we haven't been able to do for a long time. And for all that to be taken away from you, and to add to the drama, you know, I got named to be... Uh, the captain of the All Blacks for the first time, still having captain the All Blacks, did the um, press conference and, you know, I thought uh, it was a pretty special moment and, and then just with something I've done a million times in my life, it's kick a rugby ball, um, kick a rugby ball and to have such a serious injury like that was really tough to take. I'd had some big injuries before then, you know, rupture my Achilles, um, called hamstrings, whatever. Um, but those injuries always made sense to me. And I'm a firm believer of things happen for a reason. And, you know, I did my Achilles. It was my body telling me that I needed some rest. I was playing too much um, and, and so forth. But this injury in particular, 
made no sense at all. You know, so here I was in the changing room, just going, you know, why me? Why now? You know, um, why such a serious injury? Just nothing made sense to me at all. And it took a couple of days to get over that. And, you know, then I had to refocus and try and help the the boys out as much as I possibly could because there was some, some younger guys coming in that needed to play a pivotal role in helping the team win that World Cup. But behind closed doors, I was, um, yeah, I was battling um, to, to try and answer those questions that I was uh, just talking about before in my mind. Um, but then fast forward four years and what happened in 2015, you know, things do happen for, for a reason. And, and that, you know, in some crazy way, the sort of universe knew um, that having a serious injury like that, I was able to, to bounce back. Um, and that really does give you motivation when you have setbacks and you get over that initial disappointment, which normally takes a couple of days. It really does. It refocuses you and motivates you. I was like, right, I'm going to work harder than I've ever worked before. This I don't have that much longer left in the game, so let's let's not waste any day possible. So I worked from that moment that I got over that disappointment um, right up until I finished playing you know, that World Cup final 2015. Um, there were times in that four years where I wanted to retire. I was having further setbacks and more injuries and, you know, I was getting criticised a little bit about my form. I just couldn't string any games together. Um, but that's what makes that success um, so much more enjoyable. So the emotions that I was showing, you know, in the 2015 World Cup, I've never really shown those emotions before because mm-hmm. Because of those hard times and those setbacks that I have, and, and to be able to to bounce back and get through those, just you know, make makes the success so much more enjoyable. Absolutely, and mate, and looking back at the 07 final, obviously such a crushing low for the whole team. Now you talk about in the film, you know, walking towards the pressure and turning pressure into a positive. So that 07 World Cup, do you really see that as a massive turning point for the All Blacks and actually that game and then laid the foundation for those victories in 2011 and 2015? Oh, hugely. Um, and credit to New Zealand Rugby Union. You know, in the past, if an All Black team doesn't succeed at a World Cup, they just have a management clean out, new coaches come in and they try again. And four years later, the same thing happens. And to have the worst performing all-black team um, at a World Cup in 2007 for the rugby union to then reselect the coaches for another four years was something that I'd never had, never done before. But that was a big part of the reason um, that we were able to go on and win in 2011 because we took the learnings that we had in 2007. And, and to be honest, that quarterfinal, half our mind sort of was on the semi-final. We're getting ahead of ourselves, you know. We've already sent a lot of the, the gear onto Paris to, to prepare for the semi-final. And, and oh, what, can you, what you sent gear to, for the semi to Paris? Like, what are you talking about? The scrum machine and the tackle pads and stuff. Well, like the the whole um, well, most of the the tournament was based in France, so yeah, yeah we're in France the whole time, so. Yeah. You wouldn't ship everything to, to Cardiff for one week. You know, you'd, you'd leave some of it in That's France. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of makes sense logistically. But um, in doing that, you know, there's a part of your mind that you know is getting ahead of yourself. Um, yeah. mm. So little things like that are things that you can learn moving forward. Um, the preparation, the, the pressure, 
that you guys mentioned is, you know, we, we had people that probably didn't perform that well under pressure and didn't know have certain tools to be able to cope um, when, you, when you're under pressure. So the work that we did from 2007 to 2011 um, in terms of accepting that we're going to be living in a pressure situation, World Cups, you're going to have a lot more pressure than any other test match. Um, and actually using it to your advantage and walking towards that was something that we really accepted as a team. And that was probably one of the biggest growths that we had. Um, you know, in 2011, when the pressure did come on, and <laughs> it came on in that final. Mm. Uh, um, but the boys were, were making clear decisions. They wanted to be in that moment. They talked about being in that moment. And, you know, they were able to, to step up and, and you know, hand, handle that pressure and, and get the result. Mate, can I ask, the book Legacy, have you have you read that? Uh, I haven't, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah so, um, look, look, I'm... I've worked in businesses where that book is basically the handbook for HR and, and how we, we operate and the, the ethos. But when was when did that happen? Was that a year or two after? Was that before 2007? Was that, was that after that World Cup? Oh, there'll be parts we've taken from uh, after the World Cup, but um, most of it was um, was the, the coaching trio of... Um, Graham Henry, Wayne Smith, and Steve Hansen. So they coached us in, in 2004 after what happened in 2003, the disappointment of that World Cup. They came in to an environment, we had some success, but the Tri-Nations, we were pretty poor, and, and they were actually really surprised about how unprofessional the, the environment was. And um, I think it's been documented before, that Smithy was about to walk away, going, look, I don't want to be involved in this team unless some changes were made and an amazing group of um, players you know Richie, Tana that helped drive that leadership you know you had the likes of um, Sir Brian Lahore was part of that you had the coaching trio um, Gilbert Moka management that really wanted to to change the, the culture of the All Blacks and, and have some really strong values and, and ways that we lived and new players that were coming to the All Black environment They'd have to learn these values. You'd have senior members of the the team teaching them the values of how we, we needed to live, and a lot was about humility and, and respecting the past, um, you know, adding to the legacy, all these different things. Um, so that's that's where those foundations all began. It was almost kind of the end of year tour, two thousand and four um, into two thousand and five, and and it just grew. It's not like okay, overnight things have changed and things have evolved and, um, you know, in the last uh, decade or so and just got stronger and stronger. And that's why, you know, when you lose seven of your key guys after the last World Cup in 2015, everyone's going, okay, well, the team's going to struggle. No, because of these systems and values that they've put in place way back that started in 2004 and have just evolved, you know, you're not going to have a really bad year, you know, that you guys are going to come and they're going to get up to speed straight away with, with what it means to deliver as, as an All Black and you're going to have guys that have been around that environment that are, that are driving that. 
Mm, nice. Hey, mate, um, one thing you kind of touched on before, but it'd be good to learn a little bit more about is how you would respond or or even look at that kind of criticism from media. It's, it's such a big thing today. It was when you were playing, it's probably never going to go away. But would you read the criticism or even on, now it's all about social media, it's comments from just random punters, right? How would, would you look at that or how would you shut that off or did you have any way to deal with that? Oh, you know, I never really took much notice of it and it was it was actually quite easy when I first started playing because there was no social media or things like that. So if you really wanted to, you could read a newspaper or flick on the news to see what um, people were saying. But um, later in my career, you know, when I was really sort of struggling a little bit, sort of injury and, and form-wise, it was hard to escape. I couldn't help, even though... All through my career, I hadn't really taken too much notice in, you know, the public's opinion or um, reporters. And to be honest, I, I hadn't had that much sort of doubt about my playing abilities until my last couple of years. And, and for some reason, I just couldn't escape it. And it, it's so much harder as players now to escape it because of, you know, social media and um, things online. And, um, yeah, so it, it is it is quite challenging. It's quite a tough thing to to deal with more so when you're outside of the the environment once you're in the all black environment team environment you know what you guys are trying to achieve and it's, it's much easier to kind of block out all that external um voice and, and pressure from from the outside of media and, and the pressure that you put on yourselves as a team an individual far exceeds um you know the expectations of, of the, the media republic yeah mate i it's I don't, yeah. Look, it's lucky me and Andy didn't have to. <laughs> we don't have to deal with that. Um, and and look, I, I I think part of the way that you react is actually part of the reason the way you were raised. And look, during the movie, there's a moment um, where your dad is talking about his involvement in the, the Christchurch earthquake, which was uh, it was quite hard to deal with, to be honest. And um, I'm not going to go into detail. You can go see the movie to. To, to find out what happens but um there's another moment and both me and andy are dads and um he got to call you and tell you that that you'd made the all blacks for the very first time how, how that must be like one of the most special moments of your life yeah i know and um especially in t- today's world you get a phone call from your father and say you made the all blacks it's i don't know it's almost unheard of because you're normally sitting there um, listening to the radio, watching the TV, the all black announcement, or, or whatever. But I didn't think that I was going to be named. So there's, why would I be listening to the radio, which was announced back then? Um, <laughs> you know, like it's ridiculous. Yeah. I yeah. had a you know end of season party to go to, so I had to find a dress up costume. I was following <laughs> and watching the all black announcement. And yeah. Sure enough, the old man rings me. You're in the All Blacks, and I thought he was pulling my leg. Um, I was like, "Yeah, good one, mate." And I was like, "No, I'm serious, you are." And I was like, oh, that was, you know. And then like, looking back now, to, to receive a phone call from the person that's been there from day one, who supported me all through my childhood, he's the one, he's the reason that I, you know, play rugby and, mm-hmm. and aspire to be, um, you know, a, a great rugby player and to have his support all through my career. For him to be the one to, to let me know that, you know, that I've, you know, just been selected for a team that I've, admired and always wanted to be a part of was yeah it's, it's amazing that he was the one to be able to give me that news 
Hey Dan, we've got to wrap this up pretty soon. So two very quick things to go, mate. But first of all, just details around your film. So it uh, premieres in New Zealand, obviously next Monday, isn't it? But when can the general public see it? Twenty uh, ninth, yeah. So end of the week, just in time for Father's Day. So yeah, if anyone's listening to this, get there, get the old boy out there to the, the cinema and, and go have a long. I'll be interested to see what you think. Actually, um, I was a bit. Yeah, it's a bit sceptical about uh, doing it in the first place, but I wanted something to, to show my children and something to be proud of and um, for them to be proud of, you know, their old man that they can show their children and you know, leave a bit of a legacy and, you know, what I was able to to achieve in my career and the highs and lows. So, um, yeah, perfect Father's Day, Day gift. Um, yeah, 29th. Yeah, I can endorse along with JP. It's a great watch. And in fact, I saw it on the small screen, so I think I'm going to have to shell out 15 yeah. bucks for a ticket and watch it on the big screen as well. <laughs> That's good work, boys. So, mate, one more thing. Now, at the end of your film, um, there's a lot of your friends, family, former players and opponents. They summed up who you were in three words. So I'm going to, we're going to put you on the spot now. We want you to sum up your move in three words, mate. <laughs> Great question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't written down there. Good question. Um, oh, really? That is a good question. Um, hey, I don't uh, think Steve Hansen had three words. He thought that's a funny poor question. So Yeah, I know. He's, he's got the balls to tell you it's a shit question. Um, I don't. Um, <laughs> bloody, bloody good watch. There we go. Bloody I love it. Watch. Bloody good watch. Yeah. A perfect 10 is, well, I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't. You know, to who, say you, know, it. you know who Bo Derek is, right? Bo Derek. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, you got to get on your phone. So Bo Derek was the first perfect team. Mm. Oh, her. Jesus. She is oh, really. a perfect team. Oh, okay. Um, right, I'll have to put it up after this. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Mate, thanks so much for coming on. Um, well, we've been doing this for a while and we, we get excited, but um, we've been very excited when we found out Dan Carter's going to come on the show. All of this, the movie looks really good. Definitely get along. Um, and look, mate, all the best for what holds for the future. Maybe um, you, can, you can grace yourselves. Maybe Wellington could do with another 10. We've just lost Bowden Barrett, so... Oh, mate. A couple, couple of bishops coming up through the ranks, mate. Oh, yeah. Where are those boys? You know, I used to look up to that. Steve and Graham back in the day, so <laughs> um, oh, I'm sure you Hurricanes boys will be right. Beautiful. Hey, Dan, thanks a lot, mate, and uh, can't wait to see it on the big screen. All the best. No worries. Cheers, Andy. Cheers, AP. Thanks, buddy. Cheers, mate. See you, boys. Oh, 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 oh.